0: Hi, and welcome to Pillsbury's Industry Insights Podcast, where we discuss current legal and practical issues in finance and related sectors. I'm Joel Simon, a finance partner at the international law firm Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw Pittman. Today, I'm joined by Elizabeth vella Moller, the leader of Pillsbury's award-winning bipartisan public policy group. Based in Washington, D.C., Elizabeth manages high-stakes client matters, involving technology, energy, and federal appropriations, among others. In the past year, Elizabeth played a key role in helping clients to obtain and utilize CARES Act and other stimulus-related funding, and now she's focused on the $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package and the proposed infrastructure plan. This is Elizabeth's second visit to our podcast, and we are excited to have her back with us today.
1: I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you, Joel. It's always a pleasure to connect the dots between Washington and business. <laughs> and now more than ever, we're seeing that with the congressional oversight drive. That really is, is sort of the macro trend. When you can't legislate, you can investigate. And we're excited about what we're seeing and how we can help clients in this space as as that intensifies.
0: I know when we last spoke, Elizabeth, back in June of 2020, the first round of PPP loans had been quickly exhausted. The Main Street Lending Program was just getting off the ground. And you reminded everyone that um, when things were in full swing, that there was also a myriad of government funding opportunities available for a wide range of projects and industries. Of course, today we're in a very different economic and political landscape, and though government funding is dominating the public debate, this issue of congressional investigations is one that's evolving in the background. What can you tell us about um, all of that? Maybe give us a a little bit of um, Congressional Investigations 101.
1: Well, it's true. The landscape is always changing. What a year we've had, not only are we here in Washington dealing post-pandemic and remaking how you do business, but we are also post-insurrection. And as a result, we've just got to be more active than ever. And that includes in defense for congressional investigations. Last year, it was a lot about fraud and abuse. And we had the privilege of working with a client which received a letter one of the first five letters from the new select committee in the house that is tasked with oversight. And it was, it was a great experience. It was a letter that came to our client and really you can see congressional powers are incredibly broad and the demand was for a lot of documents and a lot of information in a short period of time. It also happened to be over mother's day weekend, Joel, So there were a lot of people working very hard exercising oversight powers because they wanted to make sure there wasn't fraud and abuse. And we were frankly very surprised that our client was targeted. And it's the House Select Subcommittee on Coronavirus Crisis. This is one of the major committees looking at at how the spending is going. And once we had the chance to look at the facts and And really just do three quick things, right? Work with the client to understand what the facts were through an internal and privileged investigation, right? And Joel, you and I both enjoy the chance to give strategic advice to the C-suite crowd. But when you get a letter demanding all of your correspondence and that you return all stimulus funds in two days and have a response ready you really do need to have your CEO, your CFO, your GC, right? Others, I'm sure you could help us identify along the way. But in in the case study I'm, I'm telling you about over Mother's Day weekend, it was all of the above. And it was really a good chance to tell our story after we understood all the facts and then lay a political strategy to go along with that and make sure we understood as much information
0: as we could. So Elizabeth, perhaps you could describe for us the way a congressional investigation unfolds and give us an indication of which industries today are the likely targets and what else might be emphasized by the new administration in this context.
1: It is interesting because, of course, we're tracking on what the top priorities are in a congressional investigation, Joel. It's really up to each individual committee chairman to determine the rules of the road. They have extremely broad powers. And in, we often say Congress has the power to serve as the investigator, the judge, and the jury, right? Because they're making the rules. The typical rules of what we're to, used to in our legal practice don't apply. Those are, it's been determined as part of the a, a committee, I'm sorry, the congressional Authorities is is separate from what we determine in our own system of judicial civil privilege. So, knowing that they have so much control, uh, right now there are many target industries that are vulnerable. And just a lot of investigators who were hired last year, ready to activate. Those include financial institutions broadly, but any sort of consumer related issue will be a hot topic. We're also seeing a trend in any merger-related investigations from different dimensions. And mind you, any client or entity that took stimulus funding could be subject to at least 18 different commercial committees and different oversight. So that's sort of a challenge. And I would also highlight pharmaceutical companies. Pricing is a hot issue. And we're seeing more for technology and social media companies with many, many dimensions and data privacy concerns. And and I don't think those trends will go away anytime soon. The macro discussion point, I think we also see this is a Congress very interested. And I would say a Biden and Harris administration extremely interested in having clients Companies show diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, one of the things we like to advise is make sure you can t- have a good sense of what that story is if you are subject to an any investigation, what, whatever the committee of jurisdiction. It's it's not not very many dull moments here, Joel.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> sounds like it. Now, when a, once a company is um, receives an indication that it's a target or that it's being investigated, is it too late at that point for them to implement any risk reduction strategies or are there steps that they can take um, even after they find out that they're the subject of an inquiry?
1: Well, let's say good and bad news. The bad news is if you are investigated and you do receive a letter, it means that the committee has invested time and staff resources into tracking this matter. And they will, that's sort of the bad news. You're catching up. What can you do about that? First things first, we like to be our client's eyes and ears to find out as much as possible from behind the scenes. What could be driving the committee's interest and how can we best respond to that? And that's really where we like to come up with an attorney-client privileged. really about a plan of response that helps meet their needs, maybe not on the timeframe that they've asked for, maybe we'll need more time. And that's usually one of the first things we try to do is understand how much time our client will need to respond and how to do that best. And then trying to look at it from a macro perspective, where are their weaknesses, where are their strengths? And that helps us be really effective. Because there's both an art and a science to this kind of negotiation. And it's hard to say, but the goal, of course, Joel, is make this go away. (laughs) No one wants it to spiral into civil, criminal, DOJ, SEC. You have a trifecta set up under Democrat control for regulators and legislators around the world (laughs) to be activating on investigations. And you don't want that to happen. So if it does, you really want to take a very professional approach.
0: So what are, what are some best practices that companies and general counsels can implement here, uh, that, that you would recommend? Gather
1: as much information as possible from people who know it <laughs> on the ground. That's a really good first things first. And that's what we like to do in a privileged manner is it will help you understand how to, how to respond. And you do want to keep everything as privileged as possible. That's the other point of view. Of course, you have to protect documents. But as a GC recently told me, we realized that we didn't have a plan of response. And now we have to make sure we've a privileged one. So a lot of what we do, will be doing all of that. It's a crisis management moment. (laughs) And it's documenting things, working with legal, often the communications team, internal and external, and other policy advisors to come up with a really good risk management plan, all of the above. And as you know how important it is to document it.
0: Well, that's great advice, Elizabeth. And thank you so much for this discussion on congressional oversight and investigations. Once progress is made on infrastructure funding, I'd love for you to join us back here again.
1: I would love to come back and join you for that. It's always a pleasure thank you so much joel
0: and now it's time for this week in history with the topic of free public education so prominently in the news recently it is only fitting that we celebrate the birth on may 4th 1796 of the first great american advocate of public education horace mann he believed that universal public education was the best way to turn what he called the nation's unruly children into disciplined, judicious Republican citizens. After serving in the Massachusetts state legislature as a representative and a senator, Mann was appointed in 1837 as the first secretary of the Massachusetts State Board of Education, where he won widespread approval for building public schools. After that, most states adopted one version or another of the system he established. Mann would go on to serve five years as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives for Massachusetts, and in the last seven years of his life, he was the president of Antioch College in Ohio. Many schools in the U.S. are named after Horace Mann, and at Antioch you can find a monument with a great quote of his, which became the college's motto, Be ashamed to die until you have won some victory for humanity. I think that quote expresses something that we can all rally around and aspire to in our own lives. Catch all our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music, as well as on our website, PillsburyLaw.com. Until next time, thank you for listening to Pillsbury's Industry Insights Podcast.